Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Boss Brook. Boss is an iOS and tooling engineer at Zing, as well as a Swift Neo contributor. Welcome to the show, Boss. Ah, thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. How's it going? Yeah, it's, it's okay. The weather was better last week. Uh, it's been raining again, which is very, uh-huh. very German-esque. Oh, it's raining. Yeah, it was raining in LA for like, it was raining or it was like cold. And, uh, you know, we just don't know how to handle it over here because for the most part, it's just always sunny in California or in LA. Uh, at least we are used to uh, to some rain. So uh, that is fine. So you are in Hamburg, Germany? Yes, correct. Yeah. So I started uh, working here about eight months ago. I moved from, uh, from the Netherlands and uh, for now, I'm doing uh, quite well here in, uh, in in Germany. Okay, so but you're originally from the Netherlands. Yes, correct. Okay, awesome. So I have some cousins in uh, Amsterdam. My cousin Arby is actually like, or he was. I think he still is, um, like a rapper in the Netherlands. He was a part of this uh, group called THC, which stood for Ton Doip Hustler Click or something like that. Ton Doip is like a little area, like a hood or something in in the Amsterdam. I think. And his name was, or his name's Arbijan, which is like, is an Armenian thing. His name's Arby and John is like a Persian sort of Armenian thing. Um, uh-huh. that, that, that's like my only, well, and then my aunt is a, is a art teacher in Amsterdam. That's okay. like my connection to Amsterdam. And then Hamburg, my dad went to Hamburg to study. Uh, his, his dad, my grandpa was a part of, uh, worked for the German shipping company, Hansa Liner. And uh, so my dad, they sent my dad and my uncle to Germany to study, you know, from Iran. Uh-huh. So that's all I can say. I've never been to Germany, never been to Amsterdam. Well, I've never been to uh, to LA and I don't have any family, li- li- uh, family living in LA. So, uh, <laughs> oh man, well, we're going to try to relate to each other somehow. Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we can relate to each other over um, Swift and coding. Uh, potentially. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but maybe. <laughs> so you work at, I said Zing, but it's actually, it's with an X. So it's like Zing, 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 whatever. Zing? People call it different names. It's a German company or? Yes. Okay. And what does uh, Zing do? Um, so uh, the easiest way to explain Zing is that it is comparable, a comparable product to LinkedIn. Um, so we're like a social platform for uh, like people looking for work or like work-related uh, things. Okay. And we're actually only operating in the, what we call the DAC region, which is D for uh, Deutschland, Germany, uh, A for Austria, and CH for Switzerland. So we're really focusing on the German-speaking market here. Wow, that's cool. And so you do iOS and tooling. So the iOS, I'm assuming, is just like the everything that comes with being an iOS engineer. Um, and then the tooling part, I'm wondering what that is. So yeah, I'm, I'm more of a tooling and iOS engineer, I guess you could say, because I, I, I joined as an iOS engineer. Um, and then we, like, pretty quickly after, we started a new team called the Release Team. Um, in which we're like handling releases and automating things and building developer like tooling for the developers uh, as well as like uh, taking care of our continuous integration. And so that's more of my day-to-day job and 
iOS is a bit less at the moment. Okay, cool. It's almost like platform release automation, like process. That that stuff's really fun. Yeah, we actually we actually have a separate platform team, okay. uh, which take care of takes care of the and more of the architecture things like the non product less of the product related uh, things compared to our product teams. Um, and then we have the separate team where I'm in uh, the release team. All right. And then you said you uh, were in Amsterdam or ne- sorry, Netherlands before. Uh, were you doing iOS before you joined uh, this, this company? Uh, I was, um, but uh, like I was studying in the Netherlands. So this is my first job after graduating oh, okay. um, and before I I did some stuff on my own in, in iOS. Uh, I had two uh, internships doing iOS, and I also, like in one summer, I worked at a company in Belgium, actually, uh, also doing iOS. So, Okay, cool. So I, I want to learn about you know where you come from, like how you got into programming. Before that, I just want to mention like how Boss ended up on the show today. So I know you through, I would say, Swift Weekly Brief as a, as a Swift Weekly Brief contributor. So for those that might not know, Swift Weekly Brief uh, is or was, Boz, it still is or, or it just was a, a newsletter. Is it still happening? I know it's, like you. Yeah, it's definitely still happening. Um, it's actually a Swift bi-weekly brief at this point uh, as we're releasing every two weeks. But uh, other than that, it's, uh, it's still going strong. Okay, maybe I need to renew my subscription or something because I feel like I haven't been getting the the newsletter. Are you guys still emailing uh, so, it? Yeah, so we, we dropped the emails for now. Okay, um, so we that, still have that costs a, money, obviously, through like MailChimp or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So we have a, we have a Twitter account. You can uh, follow us via Twitter or RSS. Uh, I think we don't have a JSON feed, but I think it might be an issue that we want to work on. Um, but for now, it's either Twitter or RSS, at least. Those, okay. are, uh, those are going to be the best options. Okay, cool. So I need to make sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm following you. It's through the Swift Weekly Brief Twitter, I assume, and you probably repost yes. it. So I need to make sure I'm following you so I can get that, and I'll be retweeting that for sure. All okay, right. so for those that might not know Swift Weekly Brief, it is uh, so now it's a biweekly newsletter about the Swift open source uh, and project and, and I guess related maybe projects. Mm-hmm. Started by Jesse Squires, it, um, going on for a really long time. Jesse stepped away from it, and then Boss came in. I think right, you came in and saved the day, didn't you? Uh, yeah. So I've been contributing like before, like lo- quite long before Jesse stepped down. Right, um, but. Yeah, I took over like as a at least as a curator uh, since since Jesse left, and Jesse's still involved in the project, and it's uh, like I said, it's going strong, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome, yeah. Well, as a community contributor, I know uh, the struggle. I know how it is to contribute. So thank you so much for for picking up, uh, you know, where Jesse left off. And yes, so that's how I knew knew of you because at the very least, when I contributed to the newsletter. I had to add my author name to the list of authors, and your name was there. But before that, I saw, you know, I saw your name uh, because you were contributing to the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was uh, when I joined as a mentor for Tri Swift uh, 2018, uh, Tri Swift San Jose, um, I saw that you were going to be a mentor, and I had already you know known your name. So I'm trying to interview as many of the. Try Swift San Jose 2018 mentors as possible. 
Uh, I'm not sure how many I'll get to, but yeah, so I reached out to you to see if we could um, do this interview, and and here you are. So yeah, that's how uh, Boz kind of uh, ended up on the podcast, because I wanted to interview him for that. For those that might not know, Try Swift uh, San Jose, it's happening, I think, oh yeah, so it's happening on the Friday of Dub Dub, so Friday, June 8th, and I'm just reading from the website. Um, join a panel of Swift open source contributors for a discussion about the latest news on the Swift open source project, then contribute to Swift evolution yourself with the help of community mentors. And there are tickets and they're free, right? It's a free, I think you can also donate and you can be like an individual sponsor, but the tickets are free. And yeah, so I, I just thought it would be awesome to, to interview as many of the mentors that way when, if you do show up to the conference, you'll have already sort of known a little bit about the mentors that you're going to meet. Um, yeah, so th- Boz, thanks again for being on uh, the show today uh, to, to you know, extend this to the community. And all right, so let's get into it. Boz, tell us, um, tell us about your earliest memory of programming. That, that's a hard question. Um, I think I started building websites when that's a good question i th- <laughs> i think at the end of like i think when i was like 12 or so i don't know it's it's been a while um so you've been programming for for a while and and it seems like your earliest memory is related to building websites then. yes okay web, building ugly websites is <laughs> it a website a personal website or uh, i remember people talk about like geo cities that was like a website thing right but uh, maybe that was before your time i don't know that doesn't um, ring about i was, think the first website was i don't know I, it wasn't it was definitely not my uh, for myself and was um, it like using um a WYSIWYG editor or were you doing it in html i do have a memory of using uh, the Adobe uh, tool once Dreamweaver, I think it was. Oh yeah, uh, I, I remember think, Dreamweaver. I think, yeah, I think I uh, I did more just the HTML CSS with Notepad plus plus or so uh, something like that. So growing up was computer were computers like a big part of your your family or your childhood. Um, or was computers were computers something that you only discovered like later on? Was it something that you discovered like in school, or was it always sort of around you, like even in your house? Uh, maybe even your parents worked with computers. Um, my parents didn't really do anything special with computers, um, but we like we had a computer at home, and uh, obviously, like when we were kids, we we used to play some games and Minesweeper. Minesweeper, but also I remember <laughs> I actually talked about this recently. Uh, worms too, which is like this. Oh my god! This worm, oh, it's amazing. Love worms. Yes, I want to play it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So things like that, and yeah, I, I guess that got me at least comfortable with computers. And then at school, we did uh, some project with computers, and I think also there uh, the the website started. So at what point do you, did you realize uh, programming was actually like a thing that you could do, like um, as a hobby, for instance, or even as like a, a passion? Um, so from the websites, like we, I started with websites um, and then in like high school we had, we could take a programming course at some point and 
well, like having done websites, that was that was a logical thing for me. Like that sounded really interesting. Um, and we did some Java there and it was kind of hard. Like it was like, oh my God, this is quite a big step from websites to, to Java. Like what the hell is this for loop doing and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. How does this work? Um, but then slowly, slowly you start to understand some, some things. And uh, I think it grew from there. And then at some point, uh, I got my first iPhone, and I was like, "How amazing would it be to like build apps for the iPhone?" Um, and I remember the first like thing I did to get into iOS development is buy uh, a book from Big Nerd Ranch, uh, and just work through that to to get to know iOS development. So, do you remember the first app you made? Um, so the book is just like going through the basics of iOS development and making some small apps. Um, I think the first real, no, I don't know. I don't know what my first app was. Do you remember how you felt the first time you like ran some code uh, in the simulator? Like, you know, you built some, you ran, you built, uh, wrote some code and then you like pressed run in Xcode. I do. I, I, well, that's like the really first thing obviously and I can't really remember that but I do remember like building the super small app with an orange background color and maybe like a button and that was <laughs> like super cool obviously because I made an iPhone app yeah yeah and it was yeah. just a button right yeah I think it was just a button with a text field and then yeah something like that uh, one of the first meetups I ever hosted it was like me and actually for that first one there was like maybe five other people and uh, the the whole point of the meetup was we wanted to put a button on the screen. And when you push the button, it would play either a random or the first song in your iTunes library or in your music library, whatever, you know, through iTunes, mm-hmm. through the through the iTunes framework or whatever. And that was like the first meetup. And people were stoked on that. And I was stoked on that. I was stoked that I could do that and that I could show people. Um, so tell us a little bit about the that feeling um, of you know the first time you're kind of making an iPhone app and yeah just tell us about that feeling because I think that feeling that first feeling especially is what it's like kind of addicting and that's really what helps propel people forward. Yeah, I think like like I just said, like it was this this app with a background color and a button and a text field, and I do remember like like I really felt like I can make iPhone apps now. Um, and I think I shared that at that point, like on Facebook, I think, and uh, some people like were excited about it too. Um, and I don't know what happened in between, like from that to like making a, an actual app, uh, apart from the fact that I know that there were some ups and downs because it was like, I had that feeling like, ah, I can build an app now, which obviously, well, that's not true. Um, and I had some borders, uh, I don't know, what borders exactly, but I, I do remember like hitting like, ah, I give up or I don't know where to go from here. And, uh, yeah, totally. Like I, I mean, so you hit that initial I rush. I think I got some of, new, uh, like energy, uh, like when, when Swift came out and then picked it up again. And, uh, okay. So when you learned, when you first were learning iOS development, you were using objective C. Yes. Yes. I think it was in, uh, like 2012 or so. It wasn't too far uh, before Swift came out. 
And then Swift comes out and somehow that invigorated you. Um, you know, maybe you were still making iPhone apps, but you said you had some ups and downs. And then like Swift was one of the things that helped you get back up again. Yes. Yeah. I mean, totally it was for me. Uh, you know, I was, I totally gave up on iOS development. Like I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make an app, you know, I was just going to have someone do it for me. <laughs> and then Swift comes out and it's like, I'm going to give it another try. I feel like that. <laughs> That story is very, uh, that's shared across a lot of people. I mean, some people might not have ever even tried iOS development if it wasn't for Swift. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. And I also, like, I remember uh, I was actually at, like, a meetup to watch the uh, WWDC uh, keynote then. And, like, Swift was announced, and then, like, nobody was excited because those people were programmers. And I, at that point, already did, some programming and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And like the other people in the room were like, like, come on, why are no why are there no hardware announcements and what's going on here? Yeah, me, I had zero framework to understand what Swift coming out uh, meant. And I remember just like trying to listen to every podcast and read every blog post that I could for someone to explain to me what the impact of the language coming out meant. Cause I had, z I, again, I had zero perspective and, um, I almost like, I'm kind of bummed. I wish I did have a perspective cause then I could have like been as excited. Although like some part of me was excited. I feel like part of me was like the excitement I had was like, wow, Apple is putting the same amount of focus on development or what it means to be a developer as they uh they and, and products like developer products as they are on like an iphone or just a normal consumer facing product and that to me was exciting yeah yeah definitely like uh i i i, I totally get that like it was i i also don't know how much i knew at that point <laughs> like i did some objective c but not too much and it was just like it's new and it looks cool because at that point I was also like, oh, Objective-C, hmm, it's really different from things I used to do back then, like Java. Um, and like now I actually really like Objective-C again, but I think at that point also the language was, was weird. And the first examples with Swift looked like more like Java code, I think, and was like, hey, this, this maybe is nicer to, uh, to learn uh, making iOS uh, apps in. Uh, at what point do you realize or decide that you want to be or that you are uh, an iOS developer? Um, I mean, I picked up, uh, like I, I initially started like iOS development on my own. So it wasn't anything school related. It was just me being interested in, in, in the iPhone. Um, and then, like, I tried making a few small apps, I think, uh, but nothing on the store. And then at some point, I, I did make an app and put it on the store and made my own, like, Apple developer account, paid developer account. And that, together with uh, when in university, we actually had a Swift course, and I was more helping the teachers than the teachers helping the, uh, the actual other students. That made me feel like I could at least like have some potential to make some uh, some ios apps yeah you know what you're doing yeah 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 i mean i knew how to get people uh further i guess right you could help them along yes so you said that 
where you're working now, that's your first like official job as an iOS developer before you, you were still in school and you were also interning. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. So how did you, how did you decide that you wanted to do iOS development as like a, as a job? Um, like the two interns were like the two internships were, were both, uh, doing iOS development. Um, and I had the, the app on the store, um, and it just felt like something I liked to do more than, than the things that were actually thought in school, uh, like Java, like uh, some stuff with PHP. And I thought, well, I want to become a programmer and I like iOS, so let's go for it. Right. And tell, uh, tell us about Swift. Like how, at what point are you starting to get like more involved in the Swift community and Swift open source? Like what was your first sort of entry into the Swift community or Swift open source? Because, um, you know, at some point you're just still learning, right? You're, you're learning or you're just kind of by yourself. Maybe you're in your local community and you're just making apps or you're working. But at what point do you kind of come out into the wider community uh, of Swift and Swift open source? So it was like, how did that come about? Mm-hmm. So, like, I was pretty excited when Swift was announced and I think I kept up with kind of what was happening and like the new Xcode betas and like how the language evolved like from the start and all the source kit crashes of course <laughs> um, and then I think it was in 2015 that they announced at WWDC that Swift 2 was coming out was which was really great and I think then they also mentioned like hey we want to we want to open source wow. um, and that obviously was also super exciting um, and I have been doing some open source before that, so I was like, okay, then maybe I can contribute. Like, it was like, obviously, and I think to to many people and to me still, like, I haven't really contributed to to Swift itself. It's C plus plus. I don't really have any experience with C plus plus. Um, but when Apple open sourced Swift, they obviously did, as we know now, they open sourced a lot more. Um, including Swift Evolution. And that was pretty interesting to me. Like, hey, you could just talk about Swift. You don't have to write any code. You can just talk with people and maybe you can get something new and cool into into the language. Uh, so I think that helped to at least keep up to date with what was happening uh, in, in the Swift open source. Uh, so at what point did you, because again, I know you sort of threw swift weekly brief like how did that come about um so i think i used to follow jesse on twitter uh and then he like just after uh it was like uh, swift was open source in december uh, he actually created for his own blog he created this overview after like a week of like hey this is what has happened and this is super cool and this is whatever and that came to be Swift Weekly Brief. So I think after a few issues, he noticed like, hey, many people are interested in this. Um, maybe I can put this like in a real uh, format and, and make a real newsletter out of it instead of it being on my blog, uh, or in this case, like his blog. And uh, I started following that. And at some point, I think like he used to publish every Thursday and then uh, he didn't notice anyone and then like after the Thursday he said like hey I'm sorry I wasn't there so there was no 
issue this week um, and not knowing what was going on and uh, I think he was on just he was just on vacation then uh, and I reached out to him on Twitter and I said like well like I don't know what happened that you didn't write the issue but if there's anything I can help with uh, let me know I would love to uh, so I started contributing there and well now we're at uh, executing uh, the Swift weekly brief. <laughs> Wow, that's really cool. So Jesse was doing it on his own. He missed an, uh, an issue for whatever reason. You reached out to him. You had never really talked to him before, right? You had just been sort of following him on Twitter. Yeah, and, correct. And you reached out to him and said, hey, is there anything I could do to help? And he said, yeah, why don't you, uh, why don't you do an issue? Well, was it, or- it, 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 Sorry, actually, yeah, it actually started with like, hey, you can just... Uh, Contribute, uh, contribute by just saying like, hey, this is something I can include, like Jesse. Um, so just post a link that is interesting. And uh, that's actually still a really interesting way to, to contribute to Swift Weekly Brief uh, now, because that really helps us. Uh, we don't have 10 eyes, obviously, so we can't keep everything, uh, like see everything. Um, right. And then we met at French Kit in, in 2016. It's a conference in Paris. And then we spoke and I was like, okay, do you want to do an issue? And then, well, that was something that I did. And yeah. Okay. So for those that might not know, uh, and really you should definitely go check it out. Um, I When I learned about how Swift Weekly Brief uh, was set up, I was like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And um, I've, I've talked about this before, but basically it's set up so, I don't know, maybe it's changed a little bit, but it's set up so cool, like that you can easily become a contributor and like it's all automated, you know, and it's all through Git and Git and I think GitHub still. Like for instance, when I was a contributor, like I made a pull request to add my name as an author. Then um, I just ran like a, I cloned the repo. I ran some script that would like generate a template for the next issue. Then everybody just posts on, uh, and then you create an issue on GitHub for the next issue, right? And then everybody posts into that issue on GitHub, like, hey, include this link or include this news. And then, you know, over the week, you just fill in your template. And then once it's done, you, you know, run another script and it, um, you know, it, it kind of like lints it. it and and um, then at some point, I think you create a pull request. And then it, once it gets approved and CI passes and all that, it merges. And then it gets added to the Jekyll like automatic site thing. And then it would even like send the Twitter message and send the mail chip. It's amazing. It is amazing. So um, two questions or one statement, uh, just so you know, like, what Boz is saying is that he started out by contributing uh, just by posting on the issue like uh, links like, hey, Jesse, this is a really cool topic or a piece of news. Include this in the next issue. Is that that's correct, Boz? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like and, that. Yeah. and so that if you're interested in contributing, that would be like one of the easiest ways for you to participate um, is if you follow news if you follow the the mailing list or i guess they're not mailing lists anymore the forums and you find a piece of news or you follow the pull requests um and you see something interesting you can just post it on the issue um exactly um and then was that automated system already set up before you uh, met him in in french kid and like started um participating or did jesse have to like sort of create that whole system because he was going to bring on another author like you 
Um, so when uh, I approached Jesse, I think uh, there was Mailchimp, so there were automated emails, and they used they were triggered based on the RSS feed. So we had the website with the RSS feed, so that was automated. Um, but and he also I think he did that like really really early as the script to generate the template. Uh, so that was there. Um, right now we have automated tweets. That's something that I uh, brought up, and we have that automated with Ift, uh, Ifttt, um, right. which also is again using RSS. Um, and then recently, I think it was like two weeks ago, I actually made a script that uh, generates the GitHub issue uh, because that was always like copy pasting, and then it was like, okay, how? Do we do the dates again? So I always had to look at another issue, and yeah, I just automated it. Oh, that's awesome! So you were the first, like, um, you were the first second contributor. I don't know what the best way to say that is. Like, you were uh, the first contributor, like after Jesse. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure because, um, like, when I joined on the bandwagon, there was also. Uh, JP Samard and I think Greg. Uh, Greg Hill maybe, but maybe after me, I don't know. And there was uh, Brian from uh, from Facebook. Brian Gizek. Yes, that also wrote a few issues. Okay. Well, whatever. So who's first? Who's not the first? Third or fourth? But yeah, yeah, but you still deserve an award. <laughs> you still deserve an award. Um, are you guys still taking on new contributors? Are there still like at least you know one new contributor every once in a while? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like we're we're more than happy to to help anyone uh, jump in on the project. Uh, we uh, since I've took over, I think there has been one new writer, um, and like at least uh, another person like doing some more contributions, as well as uh, some other people that just jump in and, and post some some links on the issues on GitHub. So that's really amazing and. Yeah, just just reach out to me if you if you're interested in doing any of that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to contribute to Swift open source. I mean, there's so many ways, and um, we we're going to talk about some other ways. But I think this is a really cool way because you get to interact directly with community members that don't necessarily work at Apple, um, and like you know, a lot of people read these newsletters. So if you're interested in like kind of getting your name out there for whatever reason, like. That, that's really awesome. And then you just get to interact with uh, the community. You learn a lot. And uh, also learning about like doing a newsletter, like the way uh, you guys have set it up. It's really cool. For me, um, you know, Jesse, I think, was going on some vacation. And he was like, I need people to help out with these dates. And um, I was like, yeah, I want to do it. And, um, and it was like super easy. You guys make it so easy. And you all... It, it sounds kind of scary, like you're going to be the author for that issue, but you're really not alone. Like, um, Boz, I think you posted some links. You helped me um, get my issue out. Greg posted some links. Brian posted. Everyone posts links into the issue. So you're really not alone in terms of finding all the content. Um, and then in a bit of like sort of a selfish kind of way, like it was really cool to be able to go into a job interview and be like, yeah, like I'm Swift Weekly Brief contributor. Like, boom, I did issue number whatever. And like the person that's interviewing, maybe they even read the issues. So, um, you know, that's also something to think about. What would you say um, was like one of the big, bigger like effects or, or, you know, positive consequences or impacts for you? Like when you started contributing, like 
how did it positively influence your life? Um, I mean, like I said, I started like doing more open source before I joined Swift Weekly, um, but it was super cool. Like, uh, like, like we also discussed, like I followed Jesse, but I didn't know him other than that. He didn't definitely didn't know me. Uh, we started working together in open source, uh, then meeting him at a conference and yeah, that was just, that was just interesting. Like, obviously that doesn't really do much in itself, but, uh, it was just it was nice it was a it was a great feeling um yeah and yeah and definitely getting connected is a really i mean you know connected to the community especially for instance someone like jesse like i remember i was like totally actually starstruck when i first met jesse like the first time it was at swift summit two years ago and i met him in person and like i i i'm like a bit of a fan like a fanatic like when i like like someone like i kind of fan out a little <laughs> But Jesse was so nice and uh, and like, yeah, so it's just as you said, like you were it was really cool for you to meet him at French French kit, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, to like get connected with people in the community. Um, for instance, like my you know meetup, like being connected with my local meetup, it's it's really a great way to just be involved, to learn, to teach. Um, and then there's always like, you know, everyone talks about networking as like a way to to get a job. Like a lot of people out there are trying to get jobs. And so mm-hmm. that that's definitely like a good way um, to, to network, obviously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so what would you say to somebody uh, that is um, thinking about getting involved and is considering potentially participating in the Swift Weekly Brief, but they're kind of scared? Um, yeah, I think the, the easiest way is just let us know that you would be interested in something. Um, so you can reach out to, to Jesse, you can reach out to the Swiftly, Swiftly Brief, I think is the Twitter, Twitter handle account, um, or just jump in on, on the GitHub issues and, and ideally just tell us like, hey, uh, I, wanna do, I wanna do this. Um, or if you're really bold, just say, I wanna write an issue because that's fine. Like, like you said, like you're not alone and like you can do that if you really want to, and otherwise just start out by by posting some some links, and it's yeah. just as simple as that. Yeah, and you really can. Like I, I'm not some crazy like programmer that's been programming since I was five or anything, and I wrote an issue. So you can, you can do it. Yes, everybody um, can do it. Uh, so that's actually like something. I want to ask you, like you said, you started making websites when you were 12. So like, that's actually kind of young, you know, but it's not like some people code when they're like five. Um, but you, I, I get the vibe from you where you don't, you don't necessarily seem like this person who's like, you know, I'm this fi- person who's been coding since I was five. You, you know, you kind of like the way you talk about how you got into programming is like very kind of casual or like, oh, I liked programming and I wanted to make an iPhone app as opposed to some people I've interviewed. It's like, yeah, I, I you know, I've been programming since I, fi- I was five and I made my first like game engine when I was like 10, you know, um, uh, how, how like to, for someone like me, like it's, it seems so far fetched or crazy to think like I can contribute to Swift or, or be so involved in the community. But like I started doing this just a few years ago and, you know, already uh, helped with an issue. I contributed to Swift, I'm, you know, working at Tinder, like, so it is possible but I want to hear that from you. Like, what are what would you say to somebody who like hasn't been programming their whole life 
and is is like excited about being involved in Swift and like how how do you what would you say to someone like that that like is wanting to to get to a place like for instance to be a mentor at, at you know at Try Swift like how how does someone go about that? Um, I mean. Obviously, like I, I really think that that anybody anybody can do it. Like I can do it, you can do it. Uh, we're also just normal people. Uh, we also started out doing, yeah, well, starting with the first iPhone app, which was just a button, right? Um, and it's just like you shouldn't. I think I think what's hard for some people, and I'm I'm, I'm hesitant to say this, but like some people feel like. I have to go talk at a conference to get like people to to notice me and I don't feel comfortable speaking at a conference and I think if you don't feel comfortable doing something then you shouldn't like really like do something that you like and don't force yourself to do something just because other people are doing it exactly and then maybe something at some point comes out of it or maybe not just try to be comfortable um, but there are some some uh, ways to contribute in like a really simple way that doesn't require you to know a lot about Swift, know a lot about programming. Um, and I think that's also a big, uh, we should also give a big thank you to the actual people running like Swift open source and running all the other open source uh, projects out there uh, that are really, really welcoming and, and just try to help anyone that that is interested in, in helping because in the end that I mean it's a team effort um, and yeah I think that really really helps to get everybody involved um, and just in general if you want to do something that you maybe don't feel comfortable with uh, you can reach out to to so many people either on Twitter or, or anywhere else and I'm sure like many people would be really interested in just just helping you along. Yeah, I think it's a good point to, to remind people there are lots of different ways to contribute. You don't have to know C++, you know, to contribute to Swift. Uh, you can go on uh, the forums and just read what people are saying and maybe even answer questions um, or even post your own questions. Uh, one of the ways you can contribute is by being a Swift uh, Neo, Nio contributor. Mm-hmm. Boz, I'm looking at the Try Swift uh, San Jose mentor page, and uh, it's saying you're a Swift Neo. Is that Neo or Nio contributor? I, you shouldn't ask me. I, I, I've been <laughs> pronouncing it Swift Neo, but Neo, whatever. <laughs> so, and I'm looking at the Swift uh, Neo is kind of cool because it's like Neo from the Matrix. So let's do Neo. Uh, I'm looking at the Swift. So Apple slash Swift dash Neo on GitHub dot dot. Co? Is it dot com? Dot com. Uh, yes. Event-driven network application framework, okay, for high-performance protocol servers and clients, non-blocking. Okay, I have no idea what that means. I do know that I, I heard, or, or maybe on the Twitter sphere, that Vapor, like, converted their project to use Swift Neo. Um, can you just give us, as best your knowledge, what is this? Because when it came out, it was announced at some conference, right? I think mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it seemed to be like kind of a big deal. You know, it was in like newsletters and people were talking about it. But again, it's like one of those things where I have zero perspective on like, what, what is this thing? I, I assume it has something to do with server-side Swift. 
Yes. But like as best as you can, can you explain like what it is and, or like what we might use it for or why it's important? I don't know. Any, anything yeah. you can help us with, it'd be great. Yeah, so it was uh, announced at the some conference. I think it was uh, something like Tri Swift or something. Okay. Uh, I, no. Maybe Tokyo, <laughs> Tri Swift Tokyo. Yeah, so it was announced uh, by uh, someone from Apple uh, at Tri Swift Tokyo this year, uh, twenty eighteen, um, and it was announced. And I was like, okay, I should probably, uh, I probably want to check this out because I don't really know what it is yet. Um, and let's see see what I can do. Um, so Swift Neo is a framework that does uh, network related things. Um, like you already said, like it's an asynchronous event driven application framework uh, for uh, servers and clients. Um, and to the best of my knowledge is what it what it really tries to do is like give a, more mature or more uh, high-level framework to use when you are uh, making something like a uh, something like Vapor. Um, and so I think what I've read is that Vapor implemented like Swift Neo under the hood, and they were able to like delete like fifteen thousand lines of code. So they really were able to get rid of their actual wrapper or, or system around some low level API and replace it with like an Apple supported uh, framework. Right. Okay. And I'm, I'm looking at the readme. Uh, Swift Neo is a cross-platform asynchronous event-driven network application for rapid development of maintainable high-performance protocols, servers, and clients. So, I mean, I've talked to, uh, for instance, um, man, what, why am I forgetting his name? He is it Chris? He works at IBM. He's like the Swift server uh like advocate. You know, he works at IBM. He goes to like all the conferences and talks yes. about Katura. Yes. What's his name? It, it, his name is Chris. <laughs> Chris. But, uh, um man, why am I why am I thinking <laughs> on his name right now? Uh okay, what could be the easiest way to find his name? I'm gonna check it out. Chris. It, IBM. Uh, man, how could but yeah, that? like you said, like he's uh, <laughs> he's he's been talking a lot about IBM uh, and and uh, Kitura and right. what they're doing with Apple at Tri Swift. Uh, he was at French Kit, uh, both in 2017 and 2018. Right, right. Okay, and so I've talked uh, to him a lot about I've talked to him a lot about server side Swift, and one of the things he always mentions is. Um, the fact that all these server-side frameworks are going to do like a lot of the same thing. Uh, if, if let's say they all build it themselves. But what the hope is that um, maybe Apple can um, officially, or at least on like the official Apple Swift open source project, so it's not going to just be Apple making it, that they can make all of like the services that aren't really specific to a particular framework, like whatever is unique to Katura or Vapor or Perfect, like they can focus on that. And then everything that every framework would have to have anyways, regardless of the style of the framework, hopefully that can be built directly into um, Swift. And so, for instance, security 
and I guess this Neo thing. Uh, so that's my understanding is like rather than every third party server side framework having to build these things themselves, we can have a underlying like almost foundation of, of server side Swift code. That yes. way we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then everybody can benefit from like the same um, the same improvements. Yeah, I think I think he announced uh, or at least explained it at uh, TriSwift in New York in 2016. Um, and I think it's like a foundation type of thing, but then for, for like the server APIs. His name is uh, Chris Bailey, by the way. Oh my gosh, how did you find it? <laughs> Uh, so I just looked up on on Twitter like Chris IBM and then okay. I found him. <laughs> Man, I can't believe I forgot his name. Yeah, Chris Bailey. Um, okay, so what I wanted to is I want to talk about like your actual commits. Like I'm looking, I, I know I've been like doing like uh, like who was first, who was last, but you're actually number six. Like uh, you have uh, number six on like the people who committed to this project. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And actually, you deleted more code than you added, which is always a good sign. Um, so you have, yeah, you have nine commits. And um, so can you tell us like what you actually, like what did you contribute? All right. So, so, uh, so like I said, like I was, I, I heard about uh, Swift Neo and I was like, okay, uh, this might be cool. Let's check it out. Um, and well, how do you check it out? You actually physically or well, you check it out uh, <laughs> via Git, right? So you just uh, clone the repo and start looking at it. Okay. Um, and I, I basically, I didn't have any clue what I was looking at. Uh, and I saw I saw some switch statements, I think, that could be like improved from a readability uh, standpoint. Um, and I just started there. I was like, okay, I'm just going to refactor the code. Uh, I'm just going to refactor all the switches. Wow. Um, and that was basically my way of like introducing myself to the code base. Like, hey, if I introduce, like, look at all switches, then surely I will find some other things that might get me closer to some explanation of what I'm actually looking at. Um, so that's also probably why I deleted more than than what I added is because it was just refactoring, refactoring. Okay, so I'm looking at this commit here. Prefer if case over switch. So because in a lot of places they were doing a switch, but only on one case, and then they had a default. Yes. In Swift, our style is to prefer if case. Um, I mean, obviously style is a, <laughs> is a controversial, controversial thing. But um, what's really interesting about switch cases is that they're really powerful. Like if you have an enum with three cases, then if you do a switch, then Swift will actually tell you like, hey, you have added like a new case. Uh, I won't compile this anymore because you have to exhaust uh, your enum cases. Right. But obviously, if you use like an, a switch with one case and one default, the default is a catch-all. So you will right. never see it. Right. And I was like, okay, like if you really want to actually just use one value, like one case in enum, then you can better express that with an if case and then just do an else case. Right. And I, it's actually probably a totally different code path, like uh, the switch versus this if case. I mean, we might need to ask uh, Robert Widman, I believe, who, who refactored the space engine, which I always love to say that word. But 
who knows? There might even just be performance um, issues potentially uh, where it's a different code path. And maybe if you use a switch, like it literally has to figure out all the different code paths maybe. I mean, maybe not since there's a default. So it's like, okay. But um, whereas like an if case, it's like, it just kind of has that one code path and it's like, otherwise do that. Um, so I wonder if there's like actual performance um, difference potentially. Yeah, I guess I guess we can figure out by just running some performance test that actually uh, tries to run both uh, both examples and uh, see if that makes any difference because it's it's actually uh, interesting for Swift Neo probably because because it's such a like a kind of low level thing and and server side uh, they're actually really focused on on performance. Um, so uh, you just gave me a good uh, good tip. I uh, I might check it out. Yeah, and feel free to uh, reach out to Robert. He could probably tell you like about the different code code paths. Um, you know, so when you actually like you know write something like a switch, it literally like takes a code path in the Swift language, like the Swift compiler and and, and whatever. Versus like an if case, it might take a different one, and the outcomes can be different. And who knows? Yeah, maybe there is a performance. So reach out to him. He might know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, I'll, I'll check it out. This is really cool. So you you didn't really you didn't know necessarily anything about server swap. You know, you know, it's not like you're maybe a server side Swift guru or or anything. But you were like, this project seems cool. I'm gonna check it out, and I'm just gonna start reading the code base. And you saw um, different uh, issues. Like for instance, I'm looking at this first commit conform to the Swift bool naming guidelines. And so they, uh, throughout the code base, there's a fulfilled um, Boolean and you changed it from fulfilled to is fulfilled because the API guidelines um, say that we prefer using the is uh, in front of a Boolean for the most part in general. And so, yeah, it's just like literally how many ever lines this is, 102 um, changes, 202 lines. It's net, it's net um, neutral. 102 mm-hmm. additions, 102 deletions, but you just change it from fulfilled to is fulfilled. But this is like really cool because you're you're learning about this particular code base, uh, you're participating in the community, and now you're you're a mentor and uh, you're on this podcast. So it's like, you know, because of that, right? It's like so cool. It's not like you you're some server side Swift guru or something, and you had been contributing to the Swift compiler, uh, and this is all in Swift. Right? There's no, I'm assuming there's no C++ code. This is all written in Swift. As far as I know, it's, uh, it's all Swift, yeah. And, and like I said, like everybody can do it, really. Um, and I think also uh, some people think like, hey, like if I'm just going to make this one small change that fixes a particular word that was misspelled, then contribute or like the, the people working on the project are just going to see that as like, ah, oh, who cares? But it's totally the other way around like it's the small things that actually really help and and that are easily overlooked by uh like the normal contributors and and it's yeah it's it's really easy just just if you see something uh go ahead uh it's it's definitely appreciated yeah um so you contributed to this uh project do you have any uh, plans to contribute to any other projects, or how how was your overall experience, and and what do you do you think you you might contribute in other ways, or? Um, so, I mean, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm definitely keeping up and following the project, um, and I would love to 
get some more knowledge of, of what's actually uh, really going on and under the hood. Um, what is interesting is, I mean, in the end, it's just a framework. And uh, I've been working on another framework uh, in open source. And there I learned quite a bit. Like you have semantic versioning and you have uh, users that might need a migration guide when you have, uh, when you update the library and, and things like that. And that makes it so that even if I maybe don't really get into the actual code base or the usage of this this library, I feel like I can still uh, still contribute, and I think that's that's still interesting to me. And if that's going to end up with actual changes or documentation updates or uh, like actually like managing issues, for example, yeah, who knows? Uh, since you work in tooling, uh, have you? used any Swift programs, uh, for instance, command line or scripts to um, help with any of the tooling that you're doing? Uh, we're actually planning on, on using Swift if it's, if it's possible, um, but most of it has been, has been in Ruby. Okay, yeah, because um, one of the open source projects, I don't know if it's fully like announced yet, but it's called uh, Swift Lang, I believe, or Swift Syntax, and it's like sort of I think it's almost like source kitten, source kit, sort of open source 2.0, where uh, instead of like having just to do regexes on everything, like it can tell you what, like what the actual like structured Swift, you know, uh, it's like a tree, you know, like Swift's, um, there's a word for it, lib syntax or something like that. It's like a tree mm -hmm. and it'll tell you like actually what the code is. So as opposed to saying it's a word, and it says class or something, it'll say, no, this is a keyword, the, cl the class keyword. It's almost like, I don't know, it's like it's structured and it's really cool. So, but apparently the promise is that it's going to make Swift programs like command line programs and scripts like more powerful. So that could be something to take a look at because if you are going to um, be playing around with maybe, you know, doing Swift uh, command line and Swift scripts, uh, for your tooling, it could be cool to know about that project and 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 keep an eye on it, maybe even contribute. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it's the first thing uh, that I've that I've heard of it. Um, but it's it's the small things. Uh, yeah, like really, like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's called. Uh, yeah, I think it's called Swift Lang or something, or Swift maybe Swift. Um, let's see, maybe Swift. Um, Swift uh, syntax or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well. Um, okay, so before we go, what are you looking forward to um, for Try Swift 2018 San Jose? This uh, this open source conference. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's during WWDC week. Um, uh, it's going to be my first time attending WWDC, so I'm Ooh, going to meet a lot of people. Congratulations! Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be my first time to the West Coast. Um, it's pretty much going to be the first time doing like a mentoring uh, thing for a group more uh, of more than like ten people. Um, so it's just, I mean, that already is is super exciting, um, and. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, like seeing people that want to uh, contribute to, to open source uh, and particularly open source Swift, of course, and just 
getting to talk with them face to face, like see who these people are, see what they think, see what motivates them. And yeah, there's, there's tons of things that I can think of that, that have me excited about it. So are you coming just for the week or are you going to hopefully try to come for like a little, since it's your first time and you said, was it California or was it the States? Uh, no, I, so the first time I went to the States was in uh, September, 2016 to a conference uh, called TriSwift. Oh, cool. <laughs> in um, New York? In New York. Nice. Yes. You, did you so, give a talk? No, I didn't. So, okay. If we have time, I can talk about this a bit more. Um, sure. Go ahead. Real, you know, all right. So our, our time is our own. All right. So, uh, I started contributing to the TriSwift app, which is open source. Whoa, cool. And that was before 2016 or well, it was probably in 2016. And then I think in July somewhere, uh, Natasha reached out to me and she said like, what if you could come to TriSwift New York? And I was like, well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I was invited to to go there, um, and that was my first time. That was my first time at a conference. That was my first time at a conference, and I didn't speak there. I just went there. It was my first time in the states. It was amazing. Um, and then now uh, I will be speaking at TriSwift New York this year. So yeah. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the TriSwift, the open source project right now. I know I've been doing like a lot of stats and stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to keep going with the stats um, theme. <laughs> yeah, you're like basically you and Natasha are like the main contributors. Well, I guess this uh, Kish, Kishakatsumi as well. <laughs> um, there's actually a, a good amount of contributors. Dang, that's so cool. Wow, I didn't know that, man. That's awesome. Now you know. <laughs> but this is your first time in California? Yes. And yes. are you going to come just for the week or are you going to uh, come for a little bit longer? Or uh, So I'm flying in on Saturday, I think, and then flying back on Saturday. So basically just for the week. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get to run into each other. I mean, the chance is pretty high, right? <laughs> we'll, definitely, we'll definitely see each other at the at TriSwift. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, uh, boss. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with us. Really, really great story, I think. You know, the fact that, I mean, you started programming at somewhat an early age, like 12, you know, but again, like you, I just, I get the sense that, you know, it was like more of just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, you came at it very like casual, you know, and, and you, you, got into it and you enjoyed it you started making apps you made your first you know you were even impressed with your the fact that you were able to put out just a button on the screen you know yes, and yes. i feel like a lot of people can relate to that because um, not everybody like is programming since they were like five and um and you know you, you studied it in school you got these internships and now you're working at thing thing <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in hamburg um, but you're like a huge part of the Swift community. And I think it's a big inspiration, like to other people who, you know, who are just maybe starting out or who have been programming for a while, but they want to get more involved in the community that really anybody can, you know, um, your story is, is very different from, from other people like my story, you know, my story is very different. And it just shows that like, th there isn't just one kind of person that gets involved with the community and, and, and contributes. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. Um, 
and I, and yeah, it's just, it's really, it's just really awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing that story with us, and uh, for the work that you do at um, with the Swift Swift Weekly Brief, uh, the work you're doing with Try Swift, uh, and yeah, for coming to California to be a mentor at the conference, and yeah, just keep keep it up, keep it up, keep at <laughs> it. Um, Real, real quick before we go, just a couple uh, announcements. Like same, all the same announcements. Check out uh, all the podcasts. You know, all the Swift Coders network of podcasts. For instance, Fireside Swift, Learn Swift Podcast, Swift Craft. Uh, check out all the other uh, po- podcasts out there. Stack Trace is this new one. Swift Unwrapped, uh, Swift by Sundell, Fatal Error. All the the we have a, just an awesome community of um, of creators. All the blogs out there, and uh, you know what, Swift Swift uh, Talk um, uh, PointFree.co, uh, and then SwiftFest.io. This is a conference that's happening just after uh, DubDub. I'm going to be there emceeing with Andy Hope. Get your tickets if you want to go to Boston, or if you're going to be in Boston, get your tickets. SwiftFest.io. Um, Submit a proposal if you want to give a talk. They're really encouraging people who have never given a talk to submit. So, um, so, so that's awesome. If you've ever thought about giving a talk, this might be the perfect place. Um, yeah, I think that's good for, for announcements. Um, yeah, so Boss, thank you so much again uh, for coming on and sharing your story with us. And I'll talk with you later. All right. Thank you for, for having me. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. Oh, if people want to uh, talk to you, reach out to you online how can they do it what's the best way um so the best way is to reach out to me on twitter uh and my handle is boss thomas which is b-a-s-t-h-o-m-a-s all right oh how about this why don't we do this uh what about one piece of advice for people who are thinking about contributing to swift yeah so really just just if you see anything even if it's just one character somewhere that was a typo submit a pull request and and make make your first step make your first contribution and yeah and you can reach out to anyone if you have any questions just reach out all right all right thank you so much boss thank you and that's the show ladies and gentlemen I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends. <laughs>